0: Hey everybody, it's Grandpa Bill. Quick introduction to today's show, and each and every show here. As we do a daily version, thank you for your support and continued support. In doing so, we grow exponentially by your help. We're asking for your help specifically this week and each and every day. Please leave reviews specifically at the Apple Podcast Arena ratings. Looking for listener ratings, been blessed at this juncture with many host ratings. We continue to grow exponentially. Please tell us what you like, the hosts you've, we've had that you like, topics, what show intrigue you to be a listener, and so forth. We look forward to your interaction. And in 10 seconds after this quick sponsored break, we'll be in to today's show. And thanks for joining us. Bye-bye. We'll be right back. Yeah, I'd like a hot dog all the way, please. Coming up. Here you go. Thank you. Ew. What? What is this? That's a corn-based hot dog-flavored tube-shaped thing. It's, uh, it's almost good. That'll be $4.50. You know what? No thanks. If almost good enough isn't good enough for you, why would it be good enough for your pet? Add kennel kelp to your furry friend's diet sprinkled on your pet's food kennel kelp helps with arthritis pain and stiff joints it can also reduce shedding fill in missing areas and improve their looks healthy pets show even more energy and have better attitudes see results in four to eight weeks the good news is kennel kelp isn't just for pets it's good for you too. sprinkle it on your cereal or use it instead of table salt when seasoning your food kennel kelp is the holistic care solution for pets and their people safe for dogs cats birds cows chickens reptiles almost anything that walks flies or slithers. It's a holistic health solution for humans too. To learn about their many products, visit kennelkelp.com. Get Kennel Kelp for a happier, healthier life. Well, hello and welcome back to today's show after the break, and thank you for joining us. We'll spend the entire part of today's show on preluding this week's upcoming studio guest at time of this taping on Sunday September 24th both to include my structured scheduled pod match arena and I believe I also have a couple of appointments outside of the bounds of pod match that I have been doing for a number of years before pod match was in existence during And after, as I've had several guests within the Podmatch Arena come back several times. One of which is Byron Athene, who's been on my show, I believe, a total of three times now. And we're working on, I just had the opportunity to reach back out to him today, as a matter of fact. August, with life on both sides of the proverbial pond himself, residing in the UK and myself here on the east coast of the continental United States, August just kind of got away from both of us, business and in-life schedule-wise. So we didn't have our tentative scheduled fourth appearance at that time. And lo and behold, here we are, well-entrenched in the last handful of days of September. So I will be having Byron probably tentatively back on within the confines of October And I'll highlight him again. Another guest that I'm going to be reaching out to probably for the third time when that happens. Angel Preto, the French guy. Been on a couple of archival shows. And then a handful of other guests within the Podmatch arena that I'm in the process of (laughs) inviting back for the second, third time, what have you. We'll keep you posted on that. I'm booked on paper in the pie matching arena through the rest of this calendar year and into the confines of February of 2024, the entire month of January and most of February as we speak. And as the calendar year closes, now that we're entrenched in the last quarter of 2023, as we get closer to December 31st, in the remaining, I don't know, 11 weeks of this calendar year, give or take. <clears throat> I'll advise you of some changes that year, and I'm still going to be doing a podcast show, but probably going to be leaving the podcast arena, so much more news about that later. So we'll take a quick 10-second break, but I will be talking about, kind of in backward order here for today's show, my Friday's guest, the 29th of September as it comes, which will be my last scheduled pod match show for the confines of September, talking about John Guyver, who also coincidentally resides in the United Kingdom, and we're going to come back with a Wikipedia version of Flight 571 to refresh everyone's memory of that tragic crash. And John Guyver, who's actually done a book about it, will be my guest on Friday. And he was so kind to send me uh, a free pass on the Google Play so I can get to read the book. So I've got my homework this week with another fine book that I literally am just opening up the pages of at the time of this recording. And I'll do my very best to cram-pack that 578 page PDF, as much of it as I can you sir, during this week with all these other things by choice that I've got myself in the middle of, to include my self-induced Mandarin language teaching course, which I'm a little bit tardy on, but I have been practicing each and every day some vocabulary and what have you. We'll get back to that this week as well. So this is the overview show. We'll take a 10 second break and I'll come back and talk about John Guyver here Uh, my Friday's guest, specifically about Flights 571. And a little bit later, I'll be recording my YouTube channel version, where I go into highlighting my endeavors times three for the entire week there, if you care to join me there. We'll be right back in 10 seconds, and thanks for joining us. We'll be talking about John Guyver and Flight 571. Okay, thanks for joining us again. And let's go probably for about 15 minutes and we'll close out today's segment at the tail end of this next 15 minutes or so. Thank you for ingratiating us to do so. Let's take a look at the Uruguayan Air Flight 571 as the histrionic recap is stated via Wikipedia on the internet. So I'll be usurping that article and referencing that that is open public knowledge, at least as of this date, on the 24th, you can find it at wikipedia.org backslash the Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571, verbatim from that article to give us all a refreshment where our degree of familiarity is or isn't in that tragic Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571, which was the chartered flight of a... Fairchild FH-227D from Montevideo, Uruguay to Santiago, Chile that crashed in the Andes mountains on October 13th, way back in 1972, when even Grandpa Bill was a young man. I was still in high school up until June of in 1972 at a ripe old age of 18 years old back when this happened, but I do recall the event, now having the opportunity to revisit it, and being a history buff, I love recantering all the factual information on lots of historical topics that we discuss quite often at the show. So the Wikipedia verbatim continuing recantering the article there, The Accident and Subsequent Survival, became known as the Andes Flight Disaster Tragedy de los Andes, in my butchering of the Spanish or Uruguayan pronunciation thereof, and the miracle of the Andes, Milagro de los Andes. And when John gives here to do so, I'm probably mispronouncing his last name spelled g-u-i-v-e-r-s we'll get to john in just a moment so continuing verbatim from wikipedia and i'm gonna zoom in until i get my eyes completely rectified and we'll talk about that at another show we go for another appointment on the macular hole observation and progression at the tail end of this week coincidentally co siding Coinciding with John's appearance on Friday, this is why I reached out to him to reschedule it a tad later in that same day due to a conflict in my scheduling of a quick appointment with my optometrist. So, kind of funny how all these things tie in together sometimes, same day, same station, if you will. So verbatim, from the... Wikipedia recantering of way back in 1971, the horrific crash of the Uruguayan Air Force Flight 571. Verbatim, the inexperienced co pilot, Lieutenant Colonel Dante Hector Laguara, or Laguara, again spelt L A G U R A R A, my apologies on pronunciation, was at the controls when the accident occurred. He mistakenly believed the aircraft had reached. spelled C-U-I-C-O, where the flight would turn to descend into Pudahuel, again spelling P-U-D-A-H-U-E-L, airport, but failed to notice that instrument readings indicated he was still 60 to 70 kilometers or 37 to 43 miles from the actual city. So as he began to descend, The aircraft actually struck a mountain, shearing off both the wings and the tail section. The remaining portion of the fuselage slid down a glacier at an estimated 350 kmhs or 220 miles per hour and descended about 725 meters or 2,379 feet before crashing into ice and snow. The flight was carrying 45 passengers and crew, including 19 members of the old Christians Club Rugby Union team, along with their families, supporters, and friends. Three crew members and nine passengers died immediately. Several more died soon afterwards due to the frigid temperatures and the severity of their injuries. The wreck was located at an elevation of 3,570 meters and or 11,710 feet in the remote Andes of far western Argentina, just east of the border of Chile, or Chile, or Chile, (laughs) still spelled C-H-I-L-E. Searching for the aircraft, but could not see the white fuselage against the snow. Authorities flew over the crash several times daily the following days, but of course the weather, the conditions, the snow, where it was, it was an intensified search that efforts were canceled after just eight days to no avail of any discernible signs at that juncture. During the following 72 days, the survivors who remained at that time suffered extreme hardships, including exposure, starvation, and an avalanche, which led to the deaths of 13 more of those surviving 70, you know, passengers during that 72-day cycle. The remaining passengers resorted to cannibalism, As the weather improved with the arrival of late spring, two survivors, Nando Parado, spelled N-A-N-D-O-P-A-R-R-A-D-O, and Roberto Canessa, spelled C-A-N-E-S-S-A, climbed a 4,650-meter and or 15,260-foot mountain peak without gear, and hiked for 10 days into Chile to seek help. Traveling 61 kilometers or 38 miles, on 23rd of December, 1972, two months after the crash, the last of the 16 then survivors were rescued. The news of their miraculous survival drew worldwide headlines that grew into a media circus. <clears throat> continuing verbatim from that said article on Wikipedia, flight and accident, the flight origins, members of the amateur Old Christians Club Rugby Union Team from Montevideo, Uruguay were scheduled to play a match at Santiago Chile against the old boys club at English in English uh, rugby team at that time club president. Daniel Juan chartered a Uruguayan Air Force twin turbo Fairchild from flight twenty you know two twenty seven D to try to fly the team over the Andes to Santiago. The aircraft came, I'm sorry, carried forty passengers and five crew members, and the pilot in command, Colonel Julio César. last name spelled F-R-E-R-R-A-D-A-S, was an experienced Air Force pilot who had a total of 5,117 flying hours. He was accompanied by a co-pilot, Lieutenant Colonel Dante Hector Logawa, I'm sorry on the pronunciation, which is most assuredly way off, spelled L-A-G-U-R-A-R-A, I'm going to stop all on my head, but it is spelt that way. Again, my apologies on pronunciation. There were 10 extra seats, and the team members invited a few friends and family members to accompany them. When someone canceled at the last minute, boy, they're going to make me earn this. Grazia, spelled G-R-A-Z-I-E-L-A, last name R-A, I'm sorry, M-A-R-I-A-N-A. I, apologies, brought this seat so she could attend her oldest daughter's wedding. The aircraft departed Carrasco International Airport, spelled C R A, let me try that again, C A R R A S C O International Airport on the 12th of October back in 1972. But a storm front over the Andes forced them to stop overnight in Mendoza, Argentina. Though, Although there is a direct route from Mendoza to San Diego, 200 kilometers or 120 miles to the west, the night mountains require an altitude of 25,000 to 26,000 feet you know, to make safe clearance and so forth. 7,600 to 7,900 meters, very close to the FH-227D's maximum operational ceiling of 28,000 feet or 8,500 meters. Given that the aircraft was fully loaded, this route would have required the pilot to very carefully calculate the consumption and to avoid the mountains you know, the consumption of fuel and so forth. Instead, it was customary for this type of vehicle to fly a longer six hundred kilometer or five hundred or excuse me, three hundred and seventy mile ninety-minute U-shaped route from Mendoza south to Morague, I believe pronounced but spelt M-A-L-A-R-G-U-E using the a7 airway known today as uw44 from there the aircraft now flew west via the g17 ub684 airway crossing planchon PLA and chon to the curico radio beacon in chile and from there north to santiago The weather on the 13th of October also affected the flight on that morning. Conditions over the Andes Andes, had not improved, but changes were expected by the early afternoon. The pilot wanted and took off at 2.18 on Friday the 13th from Mendoza. He waited to take off at that time. He flew south towards, again, Ma. L-A-R-G-U-E, spelling it, radio beacon at flight level 180, FL 180, 18,000 feet, 5,500 meters, and the Laguara, L-A-G-U-R-A-R-A, radioed M-A-L-A-R-G-U-E airport with their position and told them they would reach 2,515 meters and or 8,250 feet high, Planchon Pass at 321 p.m. under those calculations after takeoff. <clears throat> Planchin Patch is the air traffic control handoff point from one side of the Andes, Andes to the other, with controllers in the Mendoza transforming flight tracking duties over to the PUGAHUEL traffic air traffic control in Santiago at that interval once across the mountains in Chile. South of C-U-R-I-C-O, the aircraft was supposed to turn north and initiate a descent into the P-U-D-A-H-U-E-L airport in Santiago, again to visually, as best as I can here, create that U-shaped U-turn up in the sky that they were, you know, supposed to endeavor and try to initiate to accommodate a safe landing. and. You know de-escalation to the said landing strip and so forth the crash let's see how much longer this article is they may let you all read it because it is quite a detailed article getting into the first week the cancellation and so forth so i'm going to take a 10 second break you can find that on wikipedia.org backslash the uruguayan air force flight when we come back We'll have the remainder doing a quick overview of To Play the Game, A History of Flight 71 with my, this Friday's upcoming in-studio guest, the author, John, again, probably mispronouncing his last name, Guyver, G-U-I-V-E-R spelt, he'll correct me when he gets here to do so. We'll probably go through the first part of the table of contents per listing from his preface, that he was so gracious to give me access to try to bone up and read the book before he comes on board which i will try to squeeze in this week so let's take that 10 second break we'll come back and close out in another 10 minutes going through the table of contents in the said book That he will so eloquently expand upon and i will try to read during the week and definitely at least delve into x number of pages to get an overview to do justice of edifying myself to interviewing him accordingly can't wait want to be i do remember that uh, horrendous scenario now that i'm revisiting it myself some 51 years later. Wow. We'll be right back. Thanks for joining us. Thanks for staying with us. We'll be right back. Okay, welcome back. And during the break, I decided to go ahead and let's do the prelude about my upcoming guest, John Giver, the author of said book that we'll be discussing when John gets in studio with me on Friday at time of taping, and we'll just phase out with the particulars as they're stated there in the Match Arena, John Guyver, expert on the 1972 Andes flight disaster, and the guest tags of the topics that we'll be talking about when he gets here to join me in studio, will be airplane, author, Catholic, non-fiction, post-traumatic stress disorder, PTSD, rugby, South America, survival, trauma recovery, and Uruguay. Biography about John Guyver, the author of verbatim from Podmatch Arena, I am an author who churned to writing after a career in the world of artificial intelligence and high-tech software. I have spent many years researching the 1972 Andes Flight Disaster first as a hobby, then full time leading to the publication of a comprehensive history of the event entitled To Play the Game, which appeared in December 1972, the 50th anniversary of the return of 16 survivors after 72 days lost in the mountains. We're calling to action my audience his audience all audience to go directly to johnguiver.org that's j-o-h-n-g-u-i-v-e-r.org and that link will give information about his book his involvement in the andy story and it contains links to the book and to interviews and other media interactions and as i said earlier in the podcast he was so gracious to send me the google link for the free pdf to indoctrinate myself with the book before he comes on board with me on friday a little bit more about john divers from the podmatch arena verbatim my lifetime interest in the 1972 andy's flight disaster led me to travel to the site of the accident in january 2013 in the company of one of the 16 survivors eduardo Strauch, spelled S-T-R-A-U-C-H. Through him, I met many others connected to the story, including survivors Pedro Elgorta, spelled A-L-G-O-R-T-A, and I'm going to spell this one C-O-C-H-E-I-N-C-I-A-R-T-E, whose memoirs I translated. Over the years, I have conducted numerous interviews within the close-knit passenger community and have delved deeply into various archives, including that of spelt P-I-E-R-S-P-A-U-L-R-E-A-D, who wrote the best-selling 1974 account of the tragedy, Alive. The detailed information I have amassed persuaded me to write a comprehensive history of this iconic event, entitled, To Play the Game, which retells the story both on and off the mountain, giving an in-depth look at the world from which the passengers came and an analysis of the possible causes of the accident. The account is, is actually enriched by the stories of those who didn't return from the mountain related through the eyes of their families, bringing much-needed balance to a history which has largely focused on the survivors. More recently, I was a guest expert on the May 2023 ABC 2020 documentary, Prisoners of the Snow, a production for which my book was a major source. You can learn more about John Givers at his website. Once again, when you get there to do so, JohnGuyler.org. When you get there to do so, there's much, much more about John, over and above what we've iterated here from the podmatch arena. A lot about the Andy story, the book itself, the links, and how to contact him directly. He also has a Facebook, LinkedIn presence in the social media arena. I love all of his ideas for titles. I'm going to take the very first one he suggested calling this prelude shows the Andes tragedy 50 years on other titles for consideration that he suggested life and death in the andes to play the game the entitled you know the title of this book a community forever scarred and choosing life questions John is always ready to answer include How did you get involved in the Andes story? He'll elaborate upon that when he gets here to do so. What inspired him to write a history of the Andes tragedy? What makes his book different from other books on that particular subject? What is so iconic about the 1972 Andes flight disaster? How did a plane get lost in the Andes? And he can certainly expand upon The aftermath of the tragedy and its effect on the close knit community from which the passengers came. And he most assuredly can recap the story and will when he gets here to do so. And was rugby a big part of what helped the passengers survive? And his book has a big focus on the non survivors. Why is it important to tell their stories? We most assuredly want him to expand upon that. And what is the meaning of his title? Noteworthy podcast episodes John has been a guest on. Podcastapple.com backslash gb.com. Podcast. And when you get there to do so, I survived the plane crash and had to eat my friends John was a guest on that show. I'm sure when he gets here, I'll concur to how great of a guest he will be. I'm going to delve into the book a little bit later today after I interview my today's upcoming guests. So we're going to sign off here and say bye-bye for now and we'll see you all again tomorrow. Keep paying it forward. We continue to grow exponentially with your help. Please like us, rate us on Apple. Please single out the episodes you do like, the guests you like, what you liked about them, favorite episodes. Go to our YouTube channel, like us, subscribe. We grow exponentially with your help. We are doing so at a modicum pace due to your great efforts with many goodwill ambassadors. We're a member of many large intuitive groups, which provides large potentiality of large peripheral groups to promote books your awareness, and so forth, as you reach out to be a guest on my show, please do so and leave me messages to all above. Interact with our polls at the B.H. Sales Kennel Cal Holistic Healing Hour, specifically on Spotify, but we're blessed that we're on all podcast arenas where you would hear most shows. And once again, to do like our YouTube channel. We appreciate it. We'll say bye-bye for now. May God bless. Peace, everybody.